everybody, and welcome to February. I am so excited to have this month here. It is the shortest month of the year, but it is a month of celebration, celebration of love and friendship. So that's good. Hey, Suzanne, how are you? I'm doing great, Michelle. It is February. It's sunny. It's warm here in Arizona, and I'm loving 2021 so far. So far. So I will give you this update. My first challenge for my New Year's resolution has been completed. Woohoo! Good for you. So yes, that's positive. So this this month, I still think it's going to be the escape room. And I think I'm actually going to go to Florida and do a, an escape room there. Really? Wow. I have a trip planned to Florida with some of my wonderful friends, and they said they would be willing to do that with me. Now, I know Christy's willing to do it with me also, so I might have to find another challenge with her just because I don't think I'll see her in February. Good point. So, yes, traveling to Florida, and then, and I'm so excited to announce this because it has almost been a year. I'm heading back to Alaska for a couple of weeks, and I am so excited. I'm excited to see my family that's there, my friends, my house, and just be with my things. It's hard to believe it's been almost a year. It's incredible. It does, in fact, blow my mind that it has been almost a year since I've been there and around my thing. Like I keep thinking my things because I'm going to have a whole new wardrobe when I get there. I've forgotten what I have. I don't even know what's in my closet. Isn't that funny? I was actually thinking the same thing every day, although I don't have any plans to return to Alaska anytime soon. But I still think of Alaska as home. And it is very weird that I haven't been there. For me, it's been over a year now since I've been to Alaska. And I was thinking about my closet in Alaska. Oh, I have no idea what's in that closet. And I could probably go home and give it all away to Goodwill because I don't miss any of it. If I could remember what was in my closet, I (laughs) could maybe answer, but I can't even remember what's there. But what I'm more nervous about is what's in my refrigerator. Oh, no, it's not been that bad. Rob was home. Oh, that's right. Every time before we leave, we do get rid of perishables. So there should be no surprises there. <laughs> oh, that's so I just thought funny. I would throw that out for a moment to pause or a moment to think about. Yeah, that would be gross. Yeah, no kidding. Did I ever tell you what happened when we were in the middle of remodeling our house in Anchorage? Yes, I think you did. But remind me. I hope I didn't share this on the podcast, but it was over Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. We were remodeling our living space to include our kitchen. We were gone for Thanksgiving. So 10 days, they continued to work at the house. They were putting in a floor and they unplugged the refrigerator and never plugged it back in. And so when we returned, it was the most disgusting, nightmarish mess I have ever had to smell my way through. It was just disgusting. Uh, So I won't go into too many details, but that is a worst case scenario. And it was horrible. And yeah, I don't know why I'm sharing it here other than I'm glad I'm not going home to that. Well, and it triggers a thought for me. I think we could actually do a podcast episode on remodel and remodeling nightmares. I mean, I am an interior designer. I have a little bit of experience But I think remodeling is something that everyone considers doing at some point in their life. And we have a lot of experience between the two of us 
in remodeling and remodeling nightmares. So let's save that for another episode. Okay, because yes, I can share ton of stories and learning experiences, but I will save that for another day. But I think what we should focus on today, our topic today should be about living in Alaska. We are both from Alaska. We both consider Alaska home and we have really never talked about it. So I think that's what we should talk about today. We never have. And I was actually thinking as I'm mentally starting to prepare what I need to take back to Alaska with me, which isn't much because here I have shorts. So I won't need those in Alaska because it'll be a little chilly up there, but I will need to go get that COVID test. And then as I start to tell people I'm going back to Alaska, it just reminds me of all the funny and strange questions that you get when people find out that you live in Alaska. And some are serious and some are just funny. Well, I think they're always serious from the person asking the questions perspective. However, some of them, you just have to say, yeah, no, <laughs> it's hard to respond to some of them because they are so out there, but there's never a dumb question. There's only learning to come. That's right. And I think we take for granted that everybody knows everything there is to know about Alaska because we've lived there for so many years. But I was thinking back to when I first moved there and how foreign it was to me. And I think that most people feel the same way that haven't ever actually visited Alaska. So I think we have a lot of really good information to share. I think we do also. And I know when I was in high school, that's when I moved to Alaska. And the questions I would ask because people would ask me, I had no idea where I was going because you hear Alaska and it seems so foreign and so far away. People did ask me and I really might have believed that I would be taking a dog sled to school. <laughs> I didn't know. I was 16 years old and pack it up. Well, and it's interesting because as I've told you before, my dad was a Lutheran minister and his first parish that he was a pastor at was in Alaska. So I was born in Alaska. My parents lived there for the first 10 years of their marriage, the first five or six years of my life. And then we moved away so that he could be a pastor somewhere else and moved back to Alaska. So I had Alaska knowledge just from my parents. So it was a little different for me, but we moved back to Alaska when I was 15 turning 16. So I was about the same age you were when you moved back to Alaska. And I was a little bit of a brat at 16. (laughs) I'm sure... Other people would say I was a big brat. Here I'm throwing a huge fit because I am moving away from everything I know during high school. And we get on this plane flying north to our future and we arrive at the airport and I'm thankful I see cars and everything there looks normal. But I was so embarrassed to be in the airport. I felt like we looked like the Beverly Hillbillies or something. We had all these bags. We had dogs running around, my sister and brother who were so excited, bouncing off the wall, my parents who were trying to get the rental car. It was just chaos there. And I was sure everybody in the world was looking at us. We loaded up the car and then my dad drove us out to where our new house was. We couldn't stay there yet because it wasn't closed, but he drove us. And I felt we like we were in that car going further and further into the wilderness. 
I thought we were in the car for like two hours, but it really in reality was only like 15 minutes. Wow. So that was my first experience with Alaska. And yeah, I was a brat. Well, uh, let me tell you, my first experience with Alaska was actually driving the Alaska Highway through Canada um, as a teenager. And I had my four siblings in the car with me along with my parents. And I think we, it probably took us about, I can't even remember, 10 days because we did the sightseeing thing on the Alaska Highway. And that was before the Alaska Highway was paved all the way. So a lot of it was dirt, gravel roads. And talk about driving, thinking you're driving into the wilderness. It's like, oh my God. So by the time we actually pulled into Anchorage, Anchorage was we hadn't seen a real city in like a week. (laughs) And so there was some sense of relief that there was actually a city in Alaska that we could, (laughs) we could be in. But I don't know if you've ever read the book by Jodi Picoult called The Great Alone. I don't think so. I've read some of her books, but I don't think that's one of them. Well, the only reason I mention it is because it's about a 14 year old girl and the the story goes a different direction pretty quickly. But the first couple chapters talks about her experience moving to Homer, Alaska from, I can't remember where now, like San Francisco, and how it felt to her as a teenager to move from city life and civilization to Homer, Alaska. And I'm telling you, it was my experience. It was exactly how I felt moving from Indiana to Anchorage, Alaska. It was unbelievable. Right. And Anchorage is a beautiful city. And I know it's grown a lot since you moved back and since I moved there. It does have the inlet right there. There are mountains everywhere. It is a beautiful city and they do a lot to keep it looking that way, you know, the decorations or the flowers they plant for the flowers. Yeah. And so it is a very beautiful city to visit. And I am proud to call it my hometown. So maybe we can share some of the questions that we've been asked over the years from people who want to know a little bit about Alaska or our hometown of Anchorage. Does that sound good to you? Sounds great. Okay. So do you want me just to ask the questions or do you want to take turns asking them? How do you want to do this, Suzanne? You ask the questions and we'll, if I come up with any questions, because your questions I'm sure will trigger questions I've heard, but you ask the questions and then we'll both respond. Okay. Well, the biggest question that I have got or my family members have gotten over the past 12 years is, do I know Sarah Palin or do you know Sarah Palin? And while Alaska is a large state, the population isn't all that big, but I do not know Sarah Palin. I'm about one or two degrees of separation, but I have been on an airplane with her before. How about you, Suzanne? I do not know Sarah Palin either. I've never met her, but I think you summed it up really well when you say you're one or two degrees away from Sarah Palin, because I think that's the way it is with most residents of Alaska, no matter who they are. You're usually in pretty close proximity with anyone in Alaska, and you maybe have never met them, but you usually know someone who knows them. 
Yes. And while we're still on the topic of Sarah Palin, I'll ask you this next question, Suzanne. Can you see Russia from your backyard? (laughs) Isn't that the most notorious question we have ever, ever gotten over and over again? And no, I cannot see it from my backyard. But we both know that you can see Russia and you know where in Alaska you can see Russia. Right. I actually did a little bit of research. I cannot see Russia from my backyard in Anchorage. However, down in the Bering Straits, there is an island. It's called Little Diomede Island. It's in the middle of the Bering Straits, and it sits about 2.4 miles from Big Diomede Island. Mm-hmm. Big Diomede Island is owned by Russia. So 2.4 miles away, and yes, on a clear day from Little Diomede Island, you can see Russia. You're impressed. You're impressed that I know that. I am impressed that you know that. And I know that I knew you could see Russia from some point in Alaska, but I did not know it was Little Diomede Island. And I appreciate that Sarah Palin pointed that out so many years ago, mistakenly, you know, by saying she could see it from her backyard. But it is a true fact. And it's one of the very unique things about Alaska. Yes. Okay. The next question. Do you know Jewel? No. But again, I know people who know Jewel. (laughs) Do you know where Jewel is from? She's from Homer. Yes. Very good. So moving on to the next question. Do you live in an igloo, Suzanne? (laughs) That's one of the more ridiculous questions. No, of course not. I've never even seen a real igloo. Have you? I've never seen a real igloo, but I imagine it can get pretty chilly at your house sometimes when you're playing nursemaid. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't resist. (laughs) But no, we do not live in igloos, and I have never seen one. The closest I've seen to an igloo was down in Nashville, Tennessee. They had like these places you could go and have dinner. You remember seeing those? I do. Yeah, now that you mentioned it. Yeah. So that's the closest I've come to seeing an igloo. Do you see polar bears in Anchorage? (laughs) I do not see polar bears, but this brings up a really good point. We take for granted the amount of wildlife that we can see sometimes on a daily basis. And polar bears is not one of them, but we see a lot of wildlife in our day-to-day life. Have you ever seen a polar bear, Michelle? Have I ever seen one in Anchorage? Well, no. Well, at the zoo, maybe, but not in Anchorage. Yes, I've seen a polar bear at the zoo in Anchorage because right. that is where they exist in Anchorage. Now, if you go north of the North Slope, there are polar bears up there in Alaska. But in Anchorage, we have brown bears, we have black bears, but no polar bears except for the zoo. And our most notorious polar bear, its name was Binky. Do you remember Binky, Suzanne? I do remember Binky. Everyone in Alaska knows Binky or knew Binky. It might have been a national headline story at some point, too, about Binky. Do you care to share what that story is? No, you go right ahead. Gosh, I hate when I have to share these types of stories. (laughs) But many years ago, shortly after I graduated from high school, maybe it was further after that, like in the early 90s, we did have... A couple people decide that they wanted to break into Binky's cage. Well, I think it was after zoo zoo hours, they decided they wanted to get into Binky's enclosure. And so they did climb over and one of them did get attacked and had some damage done to 
a particular unit that is important to a male. Is that correct? I think that is correct. I don't remember the story. I remember it happening. I remember it being on the news. I remember a picture of a shoe. (laughs) Yes, like a CAD tennis shoe or something. Yes, yes. But I don't remember the details of the story to that degree. But yes, there were injuries involved. And that did make the national news. And they were very determined to get into the enclosure because there was also a very large moat that surrounds the enclosure to protect people from getting too close to polar bear. And to have a more natural habitat around the polar bear there, even though it was staged and they they did build it up for the polar bear. Right. And it brings up an interesting point that I think about when you're visiting Alaska, you're dealing with true wildlife. You're dealing with the true outdoors. You're not dealing with a Disneyland version of it. And I always think about that because we do so often have wildlife in Anchorage that we see. And I think a lot of times people forget that this isn't staged. This is real life. Several years ago, we had friends from Indiana visit us and they went to Denali National Park and they went out hiking and forgot that this is a true national park and there aren't necessarily trails that you follow and signs telling you which direction to go. And they went off the beaten path and they got stuck on a cliff and they had no way to get out and they had to be rescued. But it was because they, and they came back and told the story about how they lost sight of the fact that this is wilderness that they were dealing with. This isn't Disneyland version of wilderness. And I think people forget that with the wildlife in Anchorage too, that it's truly wildlife. It it truly is wildlife. And while, again, there are no polar bears in Anchorage, they're farther north, there are black bears and there are brown bears. And I have been out walking and had experiences with both. But my most terrifying bear story, actually, I didn't even know I was signing a waiver because of bears, but my husband wanted to do a fly and fishing trip with some friends out of Soldatna. So part of that process to get to this remote place is of course it's flying fishing. I have to get on a small plane, which I'm terrified of small planes. I had young children at that time and stuff. So Rob's like, you just have to do it. You know, it's a half an hour. You'll be fine. You have to do it. So we go inside, we get fitted for all our gear, and then I have to sign a waiver. <laughs> and I'm reading this waiver, thinking it's going to be because we're flying in a small plane. No. That wasn't what the waiver was for. The waiver was actually for wildlife. Wow. That we would be seeing bears and we would be in close proximity to bears and holding the company not responsible for that. Wow. Yeah. No, it was terrifying. We flew into this place. And if Rob was on the phone right now or nearby, I would ask where it was. But we flew up to this place. We're in boats in a little cove and there are bears everywhere. They are so close that one reached in the water right next to us, grabbed a fish, and I could hear the bones of the fish crunching. Oh my gosh. It was terrifying. That had to have been like McNeil River or my brother and sister-in-law went to McNeil River once and it's it's 
supposedly I, I could never go because of the bear and I'm terrified of bear, but it's where you're, you're literally right there in the river with the bear. Yeah, it's pretty close. I'm not sure that's exactly where we were, but it's pretty close. And, you know, I'm one who, when I am restricted, I always think I have to go to the bathroom. Like if it's not right there available, I'll tell you on that day, I was not going to get off that boat to have to climb up this little trail to a bathroom. There was no way in hell that was happening because we have the bear right there and I think it's going to jump into the boat. And then you see from a distance, a mom with her three little cubs. Oh, and then they run into the woods and then the mom must have gotten into fight with a big male bear. Oh, jeez! Because you saw the trees moving, you heard the wailing, you heard the screaming, and then the mom comes out, then one cub, oh no, two cub, and we're like, come on, little cub, come on. And then the third one popped out. So that mama bear, like when they talk about mama bears, they're fierce. Don't mess with their babies. I know. I am a mama bear. <laughs> well, not really. I'm a really yeah. sweet mama bear, but yeah. But I think any mother can relate to that term because we're all like that. But I can honestly say I think a year doesn't go by where I haven't seen or had some sort of encounter with a bear. You see them all the time, not all the time, but at least once or twice a year. I have been in places where I've seen bear. I've seen bear in Anchorage. I've seen bear near our home in Anchorage. A black bear. I've never seen brown bear near our home in Anchorage, but I have seen them and I'm terrified of them. Right. Because they do seem to kind of cycle too, because there will be summers in Anchorage where everything you hear on the news is about bear attacks. I know. And then it'll kind of calm down and then it'll kind of spark all at the same time. Exactly. There is an awareness and growing up there and having kids there it is one of those things you have to consider when planning your days. And just as ferocious as the bears are the moose, especially if they have calves with them. And that's so funny that you say that, especially if they have calves with them, because my husband, who considers himself a wildlife expert, and he has a lot of knowledge, he will say that a moose is very docile. But there have been a lot of a lot of bad moose encounters in Anchorage. Not it's not like bear, but yeah, you can get in real trouble if you get too close to a moose. But there are so many moose in Anchorage that where you could see a bear a couple times a year, you could see moose a couple times a day. When we moved into the house we have now in Anchorage, this was probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago when we moved into this house, there were five moose living in the surrounding lots around our house. And we saw them every single day. They just lived there. They uh, pop up all the time and they shock you or surprise you too. Even though they're big and they do make some noise when they're out there in front of you, you're like, oh my gosh. And you don't want to run. You just kind of try and keep your voice calm and back away. But what's so funny about that is you can see them whenever you want, unless you have a tourist in town who you want to show a moose to. The very first time my daughter brought my future son-in-law to Alaska, and he's from Chicago, all he wanted was to see a moose on that trip. And he was, they were in town for about 10 days. And as we were driving out to the airport to pick them up, we saw three moose on our way to the airport. And I was like, oh, this is easy. We'll be able to show them a moose today. We'll be able to. 
we went 10 days. We never saw a damn moose, not one. And it's like, where the heck are all the moose? And so we take them after 10 days. We finally took them to the wildlife refuge where they have moose that have been injured and they take care of the injured orphaned moose. And so you can actually drive through this wildlife area and see moose. And we ended up taking him there so he would actually get to see a moose. And we take him to the airport after 10 days. We drop him off and we're driving home and we see three moose. And it's like, seriously, where the hell were those moose in the 10 days he was visiting? It was terrible. Yeah, it's always like that. That's like when Lisa and Michael came to visit us up there. Same thing. You're going to see a moose, no problem. Yeah. They get on an airplane. There's one in our backyard. So I had to take a picture and say, I'm sorry, this is as close as you're going to get. But next time, it'll give you a reason to come back and visit. I know. So moose and bear are probably the most common or most asked about animals. And bald eagles. And bald eagles. You get a lot of questions about bald eagles, which we see them everywhere. We do. I also get a lot of questions about penguins. Oh. Are there penguins in Alaska? Do you know the answer to that question, Suzanne? I do, but you go ahead. The answer to that question is no. There are no penguins in Alaska, although it is cold up there and you would think it would be the perfect weather for penguins, but you can actually find them in the Southern Hemisphere. Right. Do you know the only penguin you can find north of the equator? Do you know what it's called? I have no idea. It's a Galapagos penguin. Really? And even those are not found in Alaska, even though they're north of the equator. They're all in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, I I did know that there you find penguins in the southern hemisphere, and I did know that there were no penguins in Alaska. But again, how would you know that if you're not from Alaska or you haven't been to Alaska? You would really never know that. No, I think that's a really fair question. I mean, we don't even have penguins in our zoo. No, we don't. So I looked into it a little more. And one of the reasons they say that penguins would never do well up in Alaska is because of a natural predator called the polar bear. That would be one Uh, of the reasons. Other reasons include migration, adaptation, and breeding. So just in case you wanted a little lesson about those cute little penguins. That is very interesting. I want to talk a little bit about the geography of Alaska because One thing that I bet a lot of people don't know about Alaska is that Alaska is actually further west than it is north of the continental United States. Did you know that? I did not know that. I guess maybe back when I took my Alaska history, I knew that, but it's not something I retained or remembered. It is one of those little known facts that I have told people and I have been challenged about that. Like, no, that's not true. That can't be right. But it is right. It is in fact right. The estate sits further west than it does north. And it's further west. I'm not sure if it's further west or further away from the continental United States than it is from Los Angeles to New York. It's a further distance. Wow, you're teaching me a bunch of new things today. No, I didn't know that. Well, right. And I find this fascinating about Alaska, Um, not just that part of the geography, but the vastness of the state that I don't even think I can wrap my head around because we 
are from South Central Alaska, which I feel like is just a, the tip of the iceberg, <laughs> pardon the pun, for Alaska. And it takes four to five hours to drive to Homer or to Seward, these small communities that are lovely, but everything is so far away. And people, when they visit Alaska, a lot of times will try to pack in. They want to go to Seward. They want to go to Kenai. They want to go to Homer. They want to go to Mount McKinley. And you learn really quickly when you're in Alaska that it takes a long time to get anywhere in Alaska. Right. That would be a very ambitious schedule for a week's stay to do all those things. I don't know if you physically could do all of those things. I always say you either have to pick south or you have to pick north. And then like Mount McKinley or Denali, you really have to plan three days, a day up there, a day in the park and a day back. That's the shortest amount of time you could do it in. You couldn't do it in two days. Yeah, no, it, it is large. And what do they say? How many states of Texas could you put into Alaska? I think it's two and a half. Maybe it's two and a half, but Alaska is, as you said, vast and large and unforgiving in a lot of areas. And there are a lot of places in Alaska that you cannot get to by car. You have to either fly in a small plane, like you talked about earlier, or by boat. And I think that is a very unique feature about Alaska. Like you cannot get to Juneau. You cannot drive to Juneau or state capital. Correct. And I have never been to Juneau. I'm sad to say that I haven't explored a lot of areas in Alaska. I know we have a huge cruise industry up there. So a lot of people will want to talk to me about Alaska cruises and the wonderful places they, they've gone to. And I have to say, I've never been there, which is kind of embarrassing because I've had 30 years there or so. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And I actually, I used to work for one of the cruise lines in my early 20s. I just did it in the summer and I greeted passengers at the airport. But with that job, I was able to go on a lot of the tours, the land tours that they offered through the cruise line. And so I, I've seen a good plenty of places in Alaska, but the inside passage where Juneau sits, I've only been to Juneau a couple times because it's a hard place to get to. And if you don't really have a good reason to go, it's like, I don't know if it's worth the effort to get there, but it is a beautiful little town and it's actually a lot of fun to go there. But yeah, I've only been there a couple of times. Yeah, I might have to make that um, something I do this summer, go to a place or two I haven't been that's, before, yeah, which wouldn't be too hard because there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. It's a good idea. It's a really good idea. So what else can you tell me about Alaska? Or do you have another question about Alaska? I have lots of questions people ask. Have you ever been asked the question, are there really more men than women in Alaska? I have been asked that question. And I don't really know. Never thought about it. I would guess that there are more men because it's such an outdoor state. What is the answer to that? I think the answer is, or at least it used to be, yes, there are more men than women up in Alaska. And they've done a lot of those dating shows up there, like Dating Alaska Man. And then they used to have that magazine. Maybe they still do on Alaska Men. But the response I hear most, especially if my husband's around or someone who's lived in Alaska a long time, is when they get asked the question, are there really more men than women? They respond, yes, the odds here are good, but the goods are odd. 
Have you heard that? <laughs> I have heard that. I absolutely have heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. And that's probably true. Okay. Here's a good question. Are mosquitoes the state bird of Alaska? They should be because they're huge and they're... Yes, they should be. <laughs> but they're not really. They are not. No, no. Do you know what the state bird is? I want to say it's the ptarmigan. Am I right? I should have looked that one up before we started this. You know, if I was a teacher, I'd give you like 50% credit. It is actually a ptarmigan, but it's the willow ptarmigan. I don't get 50%. A ptarmigan is a ptarmigan. (laughs) Yeah, you can't really grab that one out of the air. So, okay, you get Yeah, thank you. Yeah, just because most people would say, oh, it's probably the bald eagle. Well, no, it's not. It's the ptarmigan. (laughs) But but it could be the mosquito. That might be our... Our state insect. Yeah, our state insect. There you go. So my youngest son, Eric, growing up, wasn't necessarily allergic to mosquito bites, but mosquitoes loved him and they would devour him. And he would swell up. He would get welts the size of half dollars. And he's kind of built up an immunity. That doesn't happen too much anymore. Every once in a while, he'll get a really bad bite. But yeah, mosquitoes loved him when he was a child. And so every year we had to deal with that. Yes, they also loved Jimmy on our Oh, did they? There could be six of us in the room. And if Jimmy was there, he'd take the bite for all of us. So (laughs) thank you, Jimmy, for doing that. (laughs) Oh, taking one for the team. (laughs) Yeah, taking one for the team there. So yeah, mosquitoes, not the state bird, but maybe the state insect. I don't know. Do you know what the state flower is? Oh, let me see. I Oh, don't look not. it up. Yeah, it is a forget-me-not. I didn't look it up. I knew what it was. <laughs> it is a forget-me-not. Forget yeah, I love the forget-me-nots. You can tell when um, summer is coming to an end is when you get termination dust on the mountains. It's the first snow in the mountains every year. And it usually happens the beginning of September. I've seen it as early as mid-August. I've seen it as late as the 1st of October. But you start seeing the snow mid-September. Yeah, that's a word that I try to erase from my vocabulary, but it is always (laughs) a little bit disheartening when you do see that termination dust up in the mountains. It's very obvious. (laughs) They always say it's six weeks from the first termination dust until there's snow on the ground. So when it comes in mid to late August, it's pretty depressing because you can expect possibly to have snow on the ground by the first of October. And that's really really depressing. Yes, it is. And so now that we're shifting into our conversation on winter, one of the questions that my boys have gotten is when you pee outside in the winter, does it turn to ice? (laughs) I don't know the answer to that. (laughs) I don't know. We've been in, we've had- It does not. (laughs) I've never seen that happen. Even when it's 20 below- I asked Rob, I think he says it just vaporizes, but I've never seen it turn to ice cubes. I just thought that was a funny question. That is a really funny question. Here's a a more serious question. During the winter, is it always dark in Alaska? Even though I know the answer to that is no, in my opinion, yes. (laughs) Just because on a cloudy day, it can feel like it's never dark or it's never light out. There is a lot of darkness out there and... When I would take my kids to school during the winter or that time of year, they would go to school in the dark and come home in the dark. So it did seem like all the time, all encompassing. It did. And I remember when we, when I was still a teenager and we moved to Alaska, 
I felt like you people go into hibernation mode. And I don't think it's so much anymore. I think we live in a much more outdoor society, people who really embrace the outdoors, and they find things to do, even in the winter in the darkness in Alaska. But when I was a teenager, I felt like it was hibernation mode. I'd get home from school at about three in the afternoon, and I'd be ready to eat dinner, and then I'd be ready to go to bed. And it was because of the darkness. But I also think it's the exact opposite when it's summer. That is true. And I did do a quick little search on the internet last night on this day of the year, which they just had, or we all just had. Anchorage has five hours and 28 minutes of daylight. And as you move north, that amount of daylight gets smaller in Fairbanks. It was three hours and 42 minutes. And if you go all the way up to Barrow, it was 67 days of darkness. Wow. But now the light is building and everybody is gaining light. So in the summer, it really is exactly the opposite. You lose track of time because it feels like it's seven or eight o'clock at night. When you look at your watch, it's like 11 or 12 at night or the next morning. When my kids were young and they were involved in school sports, you hit about April and May and the kids are still in school And it was always really challenging because they would have sports and the boys would play baseball and we would have games at where they'd still be on the field at 10 o'clock at night and they'd have to get up and go to school the next day because it was so light out and these (laughs) baseball games go forever. But I just remember the challenge that was because you lose track of time. It's incredible how it feels like it's six o'clock at night when it's actually 10 or 11 at night. But it's so much fun. It is so much fun. Did you ever use the blackout shades to help your kids sleep? Nope, never did. And that was a purposeful philosophy of mine because I decided if you're going to live in Alaska, you have to learn how to sleep in the daylight because it's daylight half the year. And so I never had curtains. I never had drapes. I never had blinds and I never use blackout shades. Right. And when my kids were younger, I was kind of cheap. So I didn't buy the blackout shades, but I did put tinfoil on their windows during the summer to help block it. And you know, that's so funny because that's such a common thing to do. And you see that all the time, people putting foil in the windows. And as an interior designer, that kind of makes me cringe. Well, that's why I never took you down to the basement. I wouldn't <laughs> want to make you cringe seeing those windows with tinfoil on them. But now I have blackout shades there. So if I ever have visitors, you don't have to worry about tinfoil on the windows. Yeah. And I actually leave eye masks by the bed when we have visitors because I don't, I can't do the uh, drapery or blinds just because I crave the daylight when it's daylight. So, so they get eye masks instead of blackout shades. Okay. Well, that that's fair. That that works. So now that we've kind of gone through some of the, the more serious questions or the more streamlined questions, I guess, or mainstream, I don't know what you would call it. I have had a couple really weird questions or comments made that maybe you've had them too. Maybe I'll just put them out there and you can tell me. Uh, one of those being, has anyone ever said to you, oh, you're from Alaska. Have you ever traveled to the United States? (laughs) I haven't had that question very often, but the more frustrating 
thing I've experienced in relation to that is when I've tried to ship something to Alaska and the comment will be, we don't ship internationally. Oh, yes. I've had that before, too. And then when they do ship up there, it's expensive. It's more than usually what you're trying to buy. Yeah, it's ridiculously expensive. I think that's just so stupid. But I do think that still exists, that people still think of Alaska as not part of the United States. Okay, well, building on that one, has anyone ever said this to you or asked you this question? Do you have a passport? And if so, what country issued it? (laughs) I actually have never had that question. But obviously you have. My husband has. Oh, he has. So yeah, yeah. that was his, that was the question that he <laughs> his contribution. I yeah. was asking you, that was his contribution. <laughs> yes. Okay. Has anybody ever said this to you, Suzanne? Oh, I thought Alaska was an island because when they report about it or talk about it on the weather channel, it looks like it's an island off of California next to Hawaii. I have only had that question once and it was actually probably within the last year or two that I've had that question. No one has ever said that to me before. What about you? Not so much me, but my boys have been asked that question quite a bit or that has been brought to their attention. And it is true that whenever they do show it on the national map, it is off to the, you know, the side of the coast of California, but we're not really there. I know. And I guess that's because when you're putting a map and you include Alaska, It's too far west and too far north to actually put it where it belongs on a map, correct? Yes. So that is where that comes from. That is correct. Okay. And the other one that I can think of before wrapping this up, has anyone asked you what kind of currency you use in Alaska? Can you use U.S. currency? You know, I've never had that question either, interestingly. Have you? We did. Well, I guess I should say again, Rob did. actually in Hawaii and I had stayed home in Alaska with the kids and he was trying to buy me a gift. Oh, (laughs) they said, we don't take Alaska currency. What is the currency up there? (laughs) That's funny. That's really funny. It is funny. So, you know, just some of the fun things about living in Alaska are some things people might, might not know. I thought today was a great day to dive into that. I agree. You know, and there were a couple things that I think we could still just touch on before we wrap this up, because I think there are things like the dog sled races, the Iditarod race. That's a really unique part of Alaska. Seeing the northern lights in the winter with all of our darkness, we see the northern lights pretty regularly. And I know there are a lot of people who have never seen the northern lights and would love to experience that. And it's pretty commonplace for us. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. And I haven't seen them maybe as often as some other people because we go to bed early. But yes, when they are out, they are spectacular. And the further north I think you go, the more spectacular they get. Is that true? I think that is true. Yep. We have a favorite place that we used to. We don't do it anymore. We used to go up to Hatcher Pass, which is a pass just north and probably about an hour and a half north of Anchorage, where it's completely dark at night and you just see the beautiful northern lights. And I always think the colder it is, the more likely it is you see northern lights. I don't really think there's any correlation between the temperature and whether or not you see the northern lights, but it always seems to be so stinking cold (laughs) when you see the northern lights. But on the flip side of that, 
we also don't experience fireworks on the 4th of July. We try hard. They usually have a fireworks show at midnight on the 4th of July, but it's still too light out at midnight to see fireworks. So my kids didn't see fireworks until they were in junior high and we took them to Washington, D.C. because they didn't we didn't do fireworks. Yeah, that's true. I mean, our firework displays up there or they are on the 4th of July, but the big ones are New Year's Eve. That's true. Or summer solstice, but you really can't see them at summer solstice either. (laughs) Summer solstice. I've never seen them on summer solstice because it's too light out. Summer solstice. I've heard that they do. Just leave it at that because I forgot what Rob told me about the baseball game. I think they start one on summer solstice and it plays throughout the night and then there's fireworks, but I could be wrong. So don't put any of that in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So really, you're not going to see them really at summer solstice either. So it's really kind of just that flipping things around, celebrate them at New Year's and then do something else or look, go somewhere else in July. I think the thing I would probably want to wrap this conversation about Alaska up is it's, it's definitely a conversation starter. Now that I've been in Arizona for a while and I have customers come into my store I really love it when people ask me about Alaska because there's so many unique, wonderful things about living in Alaska that I think you and I take for granted and we don't even think about because we're from Alaska, but people who have never been there are fascinated by it. And it's really fun to share some of the uniqueness of our state. Right. It is quite beautiful. And I am really excited again to be going back at the end of the month to spend a couple of weeks there and kind of reacquaint myself with the experience of being in Alaska. The one experience that every household or most every household shares, and I just want to share this real quick because it's so unique and it was really hard. I moved to Arizona that when you enter an Alaska house, Oftentimes you take your shoes off at the door. <laughs> That's so true. That's just what Alaskans do. That's so true. And when I got my place down in Arizona, every time I enter a house, I'm like, do you want me to take my shoes off? They're like, no, it's tile. And so <laughs> I just thought I would throw that in before I love we, that. we closed up. And I think as we bring this all to a close, shared with me a story about Jeff earlier and what he says when people ask him or his expression when people ask him about being from Alaska. That'd be a great way to end this episode. Yeah, we can't end it that way because when we started traveling, you know how when you're on vacation, the people at the hotel or at a restaurant, just to start conversation, will say, well, where are you from? And Jeff proudly announces, well, we're from Alaska. And I would get so embarrassed every time he'd say that. And I finally said to him once, it's like, God, quit doing that. It is so embarrassing when you say we're from Alaska. Because I would say, well, nobody really cares that we're from Alaska. But what I have evolved, because what I found is that, yeah, actually people do care that we're from Alaska. And people love to hear about Alaska. And we have a lot to be proud of in Alaska. So. I have let him go back to saying we're from Alaska. And I have even heard myself say it. We're from Alaska. 
<laughs> it's kind of silly, but. Well, that was so funny. And that is a story you um, shared earlier, but I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. I was just going to have you end it at the point where Jeff's like, we're from Alaska with so much pride, but the rest of your story, I'm happy you've adapted to taking on that approach also. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and we'll close this out then. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas for a future episode, please send us an email at orangejuiceoptional at gmail.com. And do you want to close it up, Suzanne? I will. I'll say we're from Alaska. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting. The biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godson music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count, because we are technology challenged. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at Podigy.co. That's P-O-D. I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.